Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. This week, I have an incredible guest, Megan Thomas, who is the host of the Emotional Expedition podcast and a serial entrepreneur. And I cannot wait to share more of her story with you and what we talked about. Before I jump into this episode, though, I want to share two things with you. First of all, I am hosting an astrology and Ayurveda retreat in South India in November for spirit-led business owners who want to release the year, rejuvenate, and go deep into their astrological birth chart to plan for 2024 together. I am happy to jump on a call with you. If you'd like to know more, if this is a fit, you can also go to the show notes and find a link that will give you more information. Please feel free to send me an email, paula at weaveyourbliss.com or book a call and we'll chat more about it. Also, many of you expressed a desire to join me for the next round of the Cosmic Business Incubator, my intimate program to help you create your thriving burnout-proof business based on your purpose and dialed in for making an impact. The group in the program right now is truly incredible, and we have 11 spots left in the September-October cohort. I decided to open it up early for registration and offer some killer bonuses if you sign up this month in May, including access to the Heal Your Money Karma course, a Money Karma analysis with me, early access to the content, and more. So check out the link in the show notes to learn more and book a call to see if you are a fit. In the call, I will talk to you about where you are in business and look at your birth chart and give you my honest thoughts on whether this program is going to support you. Okay, so today on this podcast, Megan Thomas is my guest. And we had a really beautiful conversation about entrepreneurship, pivoting, which you won't want to miss if you, especially if you are in the midst of re-niching or pivoting, the role intuition plays in her work, and so much more. Megan hosts the Emotional Expedition podcast. Like I said, she believes in following her intuition, which has allowed her to pivot her business over the years. Her latest intuitive nudge was to create her podcast, which was born out of the many challenges she's experienced in her life, and her finally understanding that emotions and trauma get stuck in the body and can show up in all sorts of various forms of dis-ease. Releasing those stuck emotions starts with the awareness of what we are feeling in the first place and doing the work to move it through the body. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and I will see you next week. 
Hi, Meg. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. So happy to be here. I'm glad to have you here. So I'm interested first in your bio, you say I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. And you even just mentioned that before we got on. And I have too. like I in school, I used to like make jewelry and sell it. And, you know, just like I was always coming up with little things, you know, I was just really interested in in doing that. And I grew up in a sales family. Like my dad owns a car dealership and my mom has always done things for herself. So I'm curious what that looked like for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I haven't thought about it in the form of being a child. I wasn't, it wasn't like I had, you know, was serving lemonade or ice cream on the corner. It was showing up in ways I was always putting myself in leadership roles. So in school, it was like I was the president of the student council and I would lead these groups. And that was the first indications that I wasn't really meant to be working with other people in the sense of having this big corporate job. Like I was always the one that was just willing to do it alone and to lead. And to do it differently, to question things a little bit. Yeah. So how did your entrepreneurial journey start? Yeah. So I went to school for art and my about halfway through, I realized focus was photography and printmaking. And I started doing internships in college and it was like, I think 80% of photographers are self-employed. So all of a sudden, my entire schooling was based on art and doing a thesis. It was a Bachelor of Fine Arts versus taking any business classes. And so I did an internship and I knew I was going to end up having my own business. So the first business I created was a wedding photography business, which I deeply, deeply fell in love with and I was noticing that I had access. A lot of the, some of the people that I would apprentice with or would study under or would second shoot for were men. And I had this ability to get into spaces that they couldn't get into in the sense of it was like the bride would be like, Oh, I'm, I'm changing into my dress and like, I do you, will you come in here? And nowadays this was over 15 years ago. So it was a little bit different back then. Nowadays, that happens more and more. But back then, it was like, oh, I could see the advantage of being female and being a wedding photographer in the ways that I connected. And when I started that business, I just truly believed that the wedding days were so important. I myself hadn't been married yet. And so I built that business on just such love and passion. And I also, at that time, when I had graduated from college, I had experienced a massive medical trauma. I was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease, and then I was operated on under this misdiagnosis. And so my first year out of college was spent in and out of hospitals. I don't know if you remember that energy of coming out of school or a time in your life where it's like, oh, the world is yours. Like it was this time where I was so excited about life and probably the most selfish that I was had been feeling in my life, which was like, okay, it's all about me and I can do anything I want. And then this illness really debilitated me. And then I, I spent about a year in and out of hospitals. And so finally, 
I went to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and they handed me my life back and I took it. So I think I probably left there in maybe like October. I started my wedding business in January. And sometimes people would be like, Oh, you're so young, you know, like, how are we going to trust you with our wedding and all these kind of things? But I had a fire inside of me because I had gotten so close to dying. How did that change your perspective? Hmm. I know it's a big question, but yeah. Oh, it it changed everything. Like it changed the entire trajectory of my life. I, I immediately overnight had to change my diet. I could no longer eat red meat. I could no longer drink alcohol. So here I am 22 years old and I'd only been drinking for a couple years, but it was a part of, you know, my life at that time. And it was like, and especially a part of everyone around me, right? Like all of my friends at 22. And so all of a sudden it was like all of these things were stripped away. And I now had this greater sense of purpose and this greater sense of drive, which was also coupled with my dad died when I was five years old. And so I think that was the first moment in my life where I was like, you only have so much time. Like, don't waste your time in a job you hate. Don't waste your time in a relationship that's not working. So there's been this undercurrent of urgency for me almost my whole life. And and so when I started that business, it was just like from zero to 60. It was It's actually been more challenging to start subsequent businesses than it was to start that because there was that fuel that was happening at that time. And I was almost naive to what it took to start a business. So there was that kind of energy where it was like, you're doing it for the first time ever. So, you know, subsequently you've pivoted and this is something we've talked about. I talk about it with my clients all the time. It's so important to allow yourself to pivot, to notice when the pivot is needed, take care of yourself in the pivot because that's part of entrepreneurship. And my experience is that we're always kind of shifting and evolving. So can you talk about like both your experience with pivoting, any advice you have for people (laughs) who are pivoting? Absolutely. I've had many, many iterations of my business and but two major pivots. So the first kind of smaller change was after I had my own wedding, I realized that what it was like to not have my dad there. And so I started to niche down in my business before it was like I was the wedding photographer for everyone, for every bride. This was the first time of really focusing in on who do I want to serve. And so I started putting these these words and these taglines and these things on my website that said, I believe your loved ones are with you on your wedding day, even if they're not here physically. So all of a sudden, I started appealing to a more spiritual client. I started appealing to people who had lost loved ones and... And that really fulfilled me for the next few years. And that really came from my own wedding and recognizing what it was like to not have my dad there and and that experience. But the next pivot was, I think it was 2013, 
I had just had the biggest wedding photography season I'd ever had. I just made the most money I had ever made in my life. And my equation was money must equal success and success must equal happiness. And so it's October, which for, you know, living in upstate New York is the end of wedding season for us here. I was miserable. I was like, I just worked harder than I've ever worked. I made more money and something is not right. And when that thought came in, that's when the solution started to come. So it first came from an awareness of how uncomfortable I was. There was just this energy to there has to be more than this. I think there was some of that happening. And so I call it my intuition, like how it came through was, you know, it came through in a dream. And it was like, showing me where I was wasn't working and to reach out to this woman who I had met one time eight years before. And I had no idea why I was reaching out to her. And of course, I send a message to her now that I know her. And luckily, I didn't know her last name, but her name was Bonita. So she had like a a really beautiful first name and I knew what town she lived in. So I found those two things led me to her. I sent her an email to which I'm sure she gets lots of emails like this. For me, I'd never sent an email like that in my life. And I was like, I had a dream to contact you. I have no idea why I'm doing this, but it felt like a dream that wasn't a dream. And sure enough, when I met her, she was like, yes, yes, I remember you. Come see me. And in that first meeting, she introduced me to yoga. And she was like, I want you to go home. And it was Kundalini yoga. And she was like, I want you to go home and do this every single day. And Being an entrepreneur, a part of me being an entrepreneur, which I'll be interested to see if it shows up in my chart somewhere, is I don't always take direction from other people very easily. So here's this woman I don't know who is like, okay, I want you to go home and do this thing every day. And I didn't do any yoga at that point. I had really never done yoga. So I just set up a yoga mat in unfinished basement on a concrete floor. I like threw a couple candles down there to like try and, you know, warm up the area. And Kundalini yoga, this was before everybody was doing things virtually. So and there wasn't really anyone teaching it locally. So I was doing these DVDs from Amazon that I would just like put in my laptop and something just woke up inside of me. There was a remembering, there was just this beautiful energy. And so I knew that that was it. Like I I wanted to step away from being a wedding photographer. And I very often this time, this first major pivot, I was a burn the boats type of gal. And I'll share my next pivot, which I have not burnt the boats in that way. So you book weddings about a year in advance. And so I made the decision I was going to phase out of weddings. I had no idea what I was going to do. I knew I was going to do this teacher training. It was about a 10-month program, but I didn't know how I was going to build a yoga business to take over a wedding photography income. Like, no idea how I was going to do that. But I knew intuitively that this is what my soul, like it was that feeling. It was just a feeling of alignment of being alive again. It was like the world was shiny. That's what it's like for me when you're in that flow state, when you're in doing the thing that you're meant to be doing. And so I just felt alive in a way that 
it was no longer fair anymore to be a wedding photographer because I just for the brides, like it just I didn't care about it in the way that I once did and once knew. And and like I shared at the beginning, for me, this is how I live my life is is we had I don't want that time of being stuck to be really long. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of your chart, you know, I have your chart open here. And yeah. Oh. I think it's interesting because you're born on a full moon. I don't know if you know that. And you've got Mars and Jupiter. So you've got Jupiter with the moon and Mars with your sun. So that like not taking direction, you know, your your sense of self and your emotions are very much self-directed. And, and like it's, you know, we're going to get into emotions because you have a whole podcast about it. But it's interesting because it's like, a project. I'm going to figure this out. You know what I mean? And, and Jupiter as well brings in that grace, the, you know, through your community, you're going to meet people who help your intuition and your like creative energy get guided in the right ways. Also, you're ruled by the planet Saturn and Saturn is in the 10th house of career and it's really strong. And so this is a, you know, planetary energy that's really intense, harsh. It causes disappointments. It causes like, things to not fully stick in the area of work. And it takes time to build a momentum or it takes time. Like there's, you know, you build your sandcastle, knock it over, build it again, knock it over. You know, there's like an element of kind of not futility, but it feels that way in the moment where you're just kind of like, I'm building something and it didn't stick. Like, what is this? Where am I? You know what I mean? But you have Mercury aspecting on that house as well. So there's a lot of like mentation and, and communications around like, okay, what can it look like? You know, so it's pretty cool. And Mars and moon aspecting each other. It's a special combination for wealth gained through helping women. And so you also have that oh. as well. <laughs> oh, I've pretty much always worked with women. It was very rare that even with weddings that I was dealing with men, I was always I've always been dealing with women in my I have such goosebumps right now. I'm like, how fun is it for you to do what you do and the magic that you do? And it's in total alignment with, you know, you don't know all of these pieces of the story, right? It just feels like it mirrors what you're saying in a way that I've never heard before. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And interestingly, you're in the period of your south node, which is K2 in the Vedic worldview. K2 is very spiritual placement in your 12th house. It's really good for, you know, connecting to spirit and to your intuition and receiving guidance and, and different things like that. It's also a disruptor planet. So I really resonate because I, I think this is an important planet for entrepreneurs as well. It's not talked about as much, but it allows us to have this quality of like being, and it's got to be digested as well, being willing to step forward with an idea that maybe no one else has seen or heard or understood in that way before. And to be the catalyst for that change, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's kind of an intense energy and you, you've been in that energy now for like four years. So. Oh, more chills. Cause that, that's where I feel like I am, right? Which this last four years as has been the next pivot that happened. Mm. Yeah. So tell mm-hmm. us the non-burning the boats. Yes. So burning the boats. I mean, I literally, I took my website down. I got rid of every wedding album that I had. Like people could not find me anymore, right? It was just like, nope, that chapter's done. My family held an intervention at one point of like, really like, you're really going to let this all go because it made no sense from the outside. 
which I think very often our intuition, you know, that's why our intuition can be so challenging to follow and to listen is because it doesn't make sense to other people. It doesn't even always make sense to ourselves. I didn't have the parachute yet. I was just jumping and I didn't know. So I I built that business and I I moved into teaching yoga, leading women's retreats and coaching women. I first started with coaching women entrepreneurs because those were the ones that I knew. And then I moved into coaching women of reconnecting with their intuitions, all of that. And that was my business model was retreats and coaching, retreats and coaching. And then COVID hit. I was at a retreat. I was leading. It was the last retreat that I have held. And I was physically at a retreat in March. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I start getting messages from my husband. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like I have I was in such the retreat bubble that I had no clue. And by the time I got home and went to the grocery store, I was I'm not somebody that prepares in any sense of like, I, you know, have enough toilet paper to get me through next week. And that's it. Like, I'm not somebody who ever has these things far in advance. So when I went to the grocery store, and there was nothing, I was like, what happened here? It completely changed my business model. I went through this period where I was like, I was still able to coach women, but it was different than the way I had been filling the coaching had come through. I would do a retreat first, and then I would coach some of those people off of the retreat. And so the way that I had structured everything was just gone overnight. I continued coaching, especially women who were struggling to conceive. So I coach for a fertility clinic. I myself find myself on my own fertility journey and and thought I could really help those women. So that stayed throughout the time, but everything else changed. And then I I also was hacked. So I had been somebody who had been building my business, I was not like the consistent send out an email every week. So if you take anything from this call, your email list is where it's at because it's the only thing people can't take from you is when you have that. So overnight, 10 years worth of Facebook and Instagram were just gone. I never got them back. I had filled every retreat based on Facebook ads. So I was like heavy into like the ad space. So I just didn't worry too much about email lists. Like, and then it was like, okay, this was gone. So I went through this period of maybe three months of grieving and anger and resentment. This company that I had spent thousands and thousands of dollars with and no one could help me. Like no one could get any of this back. So. What happened during that time was I was no longer on social media. I didn't know I needed a social media detox. Like I wasn't one of those people that like stops doing social media for a month or I had never done it. And so here I was having my first detox ever and things got quieter. Things got quieter and I was meditating more and about maybe 45 days to 60 days into that, I started to hear my intuition louder. So another thing is sometimes there are moments when our intuition comes like super loud and we can hear it easily. But there are so many times when it's like a whisper. It's like an idea. It's that. And It took me taking away all of the stuff 
before I started to be like hearing it in a way that I hadn't heard in a while. I had been disconnected in some ways during COVID from it. It really changed a lot of things for me. And so what happened was I started to hear the message of, well, if you want to start from scratch, where do you want to start? And so if I was going to build an audience, I didn't want to be leading with Facebook and Instagram anymore. I wanted that to be a part of it. Like I wanted that to be, you know, almost like a business card that you can like still hand out, but I didn't want to be leading with it anymore because I had written so many beautiful things on Instagram through the years and they were just gone. I still had the pictures, but the writing was gone. All of that. So this is where the podcast was born. Simultaneously, Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, was coming out. And I got the intuitive nudge to just hold a book club, like hold a virtual book club, which turned into two because there were so many people who wanted to do it with me. And that book really opened me up. That book changed my life. And so about halfway through an eight-week book club, I was like, oh, we can go deeper than this. So I built a course off of it called The Emotional Expedition. And then through that process, I was getting these messages of, let's do a podcast. Let's start a podcast, which I had no idea. I don't know what your journey was like to starting a podcast, but I had never been on somebody's podcast. I had no clue how to do it. So it was learning a totally new medium. And To bring it back to how I didn't burn the boats with this one, while I was launching the podcast, I am about, I think, 38 episodes in now. I was reading the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is one of my favorite books, which I tend to revisit anytime I'm launching something or trying something new. And I heard something in a way that she'd never said before, that she had said, but I just had never received before. She talked about when she was writing her book and that she was, you know, waitressing or she was doing some side hustle to not put the pressure of making money on this new tiny ember of a flame that's growing. And and so with the podcast, I didn't want to put the burden of it making money directly on it. And so I found other ways and a part in some of that was I last summer, I was second shooting for a photographer who I loved. I took the role of just showing up for one day, taking pictures, getting paid very well, going home and having to do nothing else. And that allowed me to work on building this new business and not putting the pressure on it. And It was almost like I had to burn the relationship I had with photography to be able to be birthed into a new way that made sense. So that's how I did it. There's so much in there, you know, for people to to take away. And I think being humble enough to say, like, I have these skills that I can use. And what's valuable to me? Is it that I don't have to do anything else and that I can literally go home and just collect my money and leave? Like... So that I can birth this new thing. Because sometimes we don't pay attention to those transitions very well. And it's one thing to just like chuck your business. And it's another thing to like pivot and to lean into something new and to get curious about it and to give it space and to do, you know, it's a little more gentle, you know. And when you were speaking earlier about things getting hacked, that's, you know, the disruptive quality of K2. And then 
you just being like, okay, things are really quiet. I'm just going to take a detox from social media and meditating. That's also very K2vian for people who are listening. So it allows you to get into that like deeper state, you know, like anyone who's listening who is in a K2 period, you definitely want to give yourself space for retreat or meditation, because otherwise you will zone out. Like if you try to focus all your energy outward in the world, you will zone out and you'll you'll daydream and kind of your body will do that naturally. Your mind will do that naturally. So it's good to give yourself space to have those experiences too. So how long do these K2 periods last? Seven years for the full period. But there's also sub periods of each planet. So there's a 120 year cycle. Each major cycle has a, a timeline and then there's, you know, sub periods of different planets. So like right now you're in a sub period of Jupiter, for example. So what that means is that Jupiter is with your moon, which is a great combination in your 11th for building community, making money, getting great ideas, wisdom, teachers coming in. It's aspecting onto your sun and Mars. So it's, it, it's creating a lot of different combinations in your chart that are activated because of that Jupiter. But the K2 energy is the main energy that you're like in for the seven years. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And there was a big, when I, I've had to battle the ego a little bit. So when, I started doing weddings last summer again. I would find myself with the guys instead of with the bride. And there was this part of me that the first couple weddings, I was like, you guys don't even know what you got. Like I've shot over 300 weddings. Like I am a first shooter. You got two first shooters here, right? Because my ego was like fighting for uh, here I'm playing in the back seat to somebody else leading. And it was a beautiful experience for me to move into this place. I used it as an opportunity throughout the season to be like, yep, that's not, I, I don't need to tell anyone any of that anymore. Because like you said, once I really understood this is why I'm doing this, like I don't want to be a wedding photographer anymore, but I do have a skill that I can be paid well for. And it could help me build the podcast. I want to just make sure people know that it wasn't all smooth sailing through this. Yeah. Like our egos want a place. And I think also it's important to say like, you know, you asked about my process. I wanted to start a podcast for two years and it was an, an intuitive hit that I got. It was like, you need to do this. I love podcasts. I've been a, an avid listener of podcasts. I'd never been on one. But I, I wanted to start one and it took me two years until I actually started one. And so there's combinations in my chart that slowed that down, mostly involving Saturn. But, you know, you got to relate to that energy and, you know, look at why you're getting slowed down. And for me, it was the technology. And so once I made a decision that I was going to have someone else edit it, and I literally, I could figure out how to use a mic and how to use an app that would allow me to download uh, the files. But if I could hand off those files to someone else and they would make them come out, I would be able to go. And then from there, I was able to flow. I found my team. Like once I made that decision, I found my team and I was like up and running, you know, but it, I had to identify what the thing was that was keeping me from doing it. That's so <laughs> valuable. That's yeah, that's really valuable information. Let's talk about emotions. So why emotional expedition for the name of the podcast? Yeah. So I have taught Brene's work or her work has influenced my every retreat that I ever had. So I think before I even had the spiritual awakening of getting into yoga and finding that part of myself, before that, Brene Brown existed. 
So I think my first experience with her was seeing her on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday talking about like the gifts of imperfection. And every single retreat, I would be handing out her books, I would be gifting them, talking about them. So when Atlas of the Heart came out, before I even knew what was in the book, my soul was telling me there's something here for you. There's something here. And so I started this book club, which was really the best way to deeply integrate the work to be going through a group because shame to me looks very different than probably shame does to you. And so it just widened my view of of what the emotions could really hold. And it was that book that made me realize just how much work I had to do in relation to emotions. I am one of those people that it's like, oh, yeah, I believe. I believe that what you need for yourself is really one of the areas you probably go in to teach. It's because I needed it for myself. So I grew up in a home where emotions, vulnerability was a weakness, but I was also super sensitive. So here I had this where it was like, yeah, we don't cry. We don't talk about our emotions. You know, everybody, you just get up and do the thing, whatever that is. You're resilient. You bounce back. But at the same time, I was super sensitive and it was really confusing place for me. And then going out into the world, it was recognizing so many people are using different things like alcohol and drugs and food to numb our emotions Well, a lot of that was stripped from me at 22. So here I am experiencing major, major PTSD, major trauma. I, a surgeon, you know, illegally removed body parts from me while I was sleeping. So I was massively traumatized and then lied about it. So it just took me almost dying and then going to the Mayo Clinic before they figured out what was removed from my body. So I'm going through the, you know, massive trauma. I still have grief from my dad that I hadn't fully processed. And I don't have alcohol to help me numb. My relationship with food has completely changed overnight. I have to eat so carefully. So it was like all of these ways that I knew that could help numb were just gone. I was left with all of these feelings and it was a right. It was just a big, a big struggle. So when I started reading Atlas of the Heart, like it helped me understand myself in a way that I had never understood before, which was like, oh, this is what you're feeling. Oh, you were feeling betrayal. This was disappointment. This was grief. And this is how to move through it. Here's the difference between stress and overwhelm. And so As I was leading these book clubs and eventually the online course, I was just recognizing that there's a whole lot of people out there that also struggle with their emotions. And I had a moment with my now she's 13 years old um, niece and and she had this beautiful thing that she wanted to tell her mom. Her mom had always worked on nights and now her mom was was going to be not working the night shift anymore. And she was like, oh, I just love having my mom home at night. I didn't realize like how much I missed having her there. And I was like, well, did you tell her? Here's a beautiful thing. Your mom would love to hear this. And she's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, I don't talk about my emotions. And I was like, well, you just did with me. But our children are still, we're not there yet. 
I think this conversation is done and over when everyone is recognizes what they're feeling and knows how to move the emotion through their body. And that was the other part was I love Brene's work and I love Atlas of the Heart and you need the language, but we also need to move it through the body. And that's what yoga does. That's what hiking does. That's what breath work does. We need, it's not just talk therapy. I have a therapist I see every other week. That is a part of my thing, but I also move my body. I also find ways to move the stuck emotion through the body. So I love this. And one of the questions I am going to ask at the end is about books that you're reading right now that have influenced you. So the Atlas of the Heart is definitely one we'll put in the show notes for people who are interested. And I'm curious, like, let's focus in on an emotion because I think as entrepreneurs, it's a very emotional ride. It's ups and fear. downs, right? Yes, yeah, so there's fear. fear. There's even like disappointment, like when something doesn't go your way. So like, yes. what would you say to help move those emotions? Great question. Yeah. I think there's this quote, which I can share with you from Elizabeth Gilbert and all about fear. And it's like, yes, you are a part of this journey. So every step I have taken in my business has been met with fear. It's not about becoming fearless before taking a step. It's just recognizing that the fear exists, acknowledging it, letting it be in the car. Just don't let it be in the driver's seat. And so for me, it's like, oh, when I feel the fear, I'm like, okay, you're with me. It means I must be doing something. So to build this relationship with fear when you are an entrepreneur, you're going to have to take some steps I imagine if you went back and listened to your first podcast episode, I know if I listened to my first podcast episode, it was so clumsy compared to where I'm at now. But you know how I got better? By doing the thing. And if I had let fear stop me, I wouldn't be here right now. And I think as entrepreneurs, very often, that's it, is we want to put out in the world this level of perfectionism, which is another emotion that Brene talks a lot about in a lot of her books. Our perfectionism can get in the way of putting things out into the world. It can stop us all day long. So I've also had to really overcome that. And I had really overcome it with my wedding business, with my photography business, but it came right back when I launched the podcast. My first episode, I recorded three times because I got caught in the perfectionism. I was like, oh, there you are. Haven't seen you in a few years. So a part of being entrepreneurs is knowing that we need to put things out into the world that aren't perfect. And I always talk about business as a spiritual practice for this reason. A lot of my folks have been out there doing spiritual practice and they feel pretty good at managing their emotions or or whatever in their day-to-day life, perhaps. And then they get into the ring with their business. And they're like, Whoa, this is a whole other level. I'm asking for money from people. I'm selling a product I've created. Like it just raises the stakes. And I find that it brings some of those past demons or patterns to the surface to be looked at at an even deeper level. So for me, it's like a beautiful way to purify karma and to like, go to that next level of just feeling at ease in our world, I would say not becoming perfect, but just like, feeling good. It's a process that definitely brings that stuff to the surface. What do you say? (laughs) You bring up such a great point, which is 
our businesses are so much a reflection of how we're living our life as well. And for me, some of these things I learn in my personal life and then can implement in my business life. But for instance, boundaries, my boundaries were terrible in my personal life. And where I was able to learn how to really create healthy boundaries was in my business life first. And then I took that practice over to my personal life. It is a spiritual practice. They are both so connected. And for me, that is the true alignment is I want my business and my life to have this cohesive, this connection. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you use or how you tell your story as a business owner. And like you mentioned briefly that you, you know, had all these beautiful posts that you had posted on Instagram and stuff. So I'm sure you sell a story, you talk about your story. So why do you think it's important to, to share your story? And yeah, that's a way of being vulnerable, right? Like you're talking about. Mm. Yeah. So I first started to show up with the wedding photography, which was like, okay, I'm recognizing this want of more spiritual clients. I'm recognizing this is my belief system. So what happened was I lost some clients in the midst of that. Like there were people that I now repelled by stepping more into my beliefs and sharing them publicly. But the people I got were in so much more alignment. And each phase of every business I've created the more I can step into actually sharing who I am, the more in alignment I am, the more I'm getting those ideal clients. So my first rule is I need to share from a healed place. It doesn't have to be perfectly healed, but I can't share directly from the wound. So when I'm experiencing something in my life that I know I want to share, for instance, my fertility journey. I started to publicly share some things that were really challenging. I I have been met with so much disappointment on this journey, and I have done it publicly. One of the cycles I did in real time. So I shared it through the fertility clinic, like what it was like to go through it in real time. And I'm grateful I did that. And at the same time, I had to be in a really healthy place (laughs) to be able to hold that. And I don't know as if I would do it again because it didn't allow me space to grieve because it was in, it was in front of everyone. So I tell stories and I share a lot of really vulnerable stories and I share them from a place where I've already worked some of them out. And so this next phase of my business, which is fascinating with this K2, this is the first time I've ever heard this is. I am about to share a story that I have not shared publicly yet, which was that I found out that my mom also struggled to conceive and she used a sperm donor. And so my dad, who I thought was my dad my whole life, is not biologically my dad. And I spent three years, I've spent the last three years grieving and healing and taking care of myself before publicly sharing that. And now I'm ready because this is the next phase of this business is to is to share the story, but it has to come from a place. The two biggest things are share from a healed place or a mostly healed place. And the other thing is know your why. Because as I'm gearing up, I'm going to share this story at the end of April. 
And as I'm already moving into that process of finding the places I want to share it, what I'm writing, all those kind of things in preparation for basically a launch of this is I am like, why would I share this story? Why would I share this? So many people would not choose to share this story because it brings up a lot of feelings. Betrayal. That's how I felt from my mom when I first experienced it was how could she have not told me this? I uncovered this on my own, all those kind of things. And so you have to know your why, because this last week when I've started recording podcasts for other people and how I'm sharing it, I have experienced vulnerability hangovers for the first time in years. And the only way that I have come back to myself is to know my why, which is I want to help people. I don't want anyone to ever feel they have to go through this alone. I felt really alone going through this myself these last couple of years. And if it takes me being brave enough to share my story so one person doesn't feel so alone, that's what I want to do. But if I didn't know the why, I would have already been lost at sea by now. Yeah. I mean, that also speaks to how we share our stories. We get to choose how. We don't have to share every detail. We can share the pertinent details and we can share the feelings and our stay close to our experience of it and why it matters for them to hear like you just expressed your why. So thank you for sharing that with us. Just being an example of what it's like to be vulnerable and be real. Because I think I talk a lot about what business can look like now. Like what, what, what are we creating that's an alternative to capitalism? And I think part of it is relationships and connection. And also understanding the human condition and that we're not perfect and that we're all evolving together. And so why don't we support each other and collaborate and lift each other up and see if that works instead of like competing and pretending and all of the things that we have been enculturated to. So thank you for being an example of that. Thank you. So I have some rapid fire questions for you. Ah, let's do it. Okay. So what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? You've shared some, but what comes to mind in this moment? There's this quote by Maya Angelou, and I can be changed by what happens to me, but not reduced by what happens to me. So I really try to live my life in this way that we all experience setbacks. We all experience moments of challenge and trauma, suffering, all of these kind of things, but it doesn't need to reduce who we are. And ultimately, I truly just believe that where our wounds are, that's also where our magic is. So if you are incorporating that into your business, if you are sharing those parts of yourself, that is what we love. That's what we love about people is when we get to see their vulnerability, their realness. Yeah. And so many businesses find success by helping people do things they've been working on themselves because they become the expert in that from the work they put in, the hours they put in to figure that out. So you're a great example of that. Do you have a morning routine and what part, if any, is non-negotiable? Well, I have a two-year-old puppy and about to get another puppy. So one of my biggest forms of medicine is being in nature. And so it's funny because now it's like finally, I'm in upstate New York. So it's finally starting to get nice out. And just this week is the first week I've walked without snow pants on. And, you know, 
So non-negotiable is to be out in nature every single day. So I take so there's all sorts of people showing up to walk their dogs now. And I'm like, I've been here. I've been here in every rain, every snowstorm, everything. So that's a non-negotiable for me. My practice looks a little different every day. There has to be some there are spiritual elements. So I'm almost always reading one book that is spiritual. And that is I read that in the morning. I tend to be able to maybe five pages, five, 10 pages. Usually is it's usually something that is harder for me to read before I go to bed kind of thing. I have to be a little more with it. I meditate and do breath work and yoga, and I don't do all three of them every single morning. I kind of just rotate what it is I need. And I've had really intense thousand day meditation practices, but right now that's not what it looks like. I kind of tune into what do I need this morning? And does it look like five minutes or does it look like an hour? The first thing is hot water with lemon, non-negotiable. That's my favorite too. Ah! Yeah. So I've been able to, that's how I alkalize my system. I was able to go off a of heartburn medication. So it's just starting my day in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's what Ayurveda recommends. So it's right on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Atlas of the Heart. You mentioned Big Magic. Yeah. Are there other books that you recommend or is there something you're reading right now that you would suggest? Yeah. So with this vulnerability hangover, this was the first time I've been there in a while. So just know if you're being asked to be courageous and brave and vulnerable, there may be some feelings of retraction happening with every expansion. So I wanted to just like order a pizza, which is not something I can eat. This is what I wanted to do was I wanted to just order a pizza and just watch like Netflix for, you know, 16 hours. And instead, I was like, Oh, okay, what are you feeling? Like, I just knew I was uncomfortable in my skin. So I got present to what I was feeling. And instead, I took a bath and I started reading my favorite book again, the book that I've read more than any book in the world, which is The Alchemist. And so I just started reading that this week. And I was like, and it's helping me come back to what is my purpose? Why would I share these vulnerable things about me and my family? And it's helping me stay the course. So where can people connect with you and find out more about your work? My Instagram is at emotional underscore expedition. The podcast is emotional expedition. You can go to either emotional expedition.com or meganthomas.com. They, I own all of the domains. They just all point to each other. So that's where you can find me. And I love having conversations with people. So if any of this, whether it's fertility or finding your donor conceived or I'm there for the conversation. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being with us today. Really Mm. appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode.